Alright everybody, I'm Logan Alec, I'm a CPA, and this is my update for Saturday, February 6th. The federal $15 minimum wage has been thrown around as a possibility for the upcoming stimulus package. We know Joe Biden wants that, Bernie Sanders and some other progressives have been pushing for this for a while, but there have been questions about whether this is the right time for that or whether it should be included in the COVID relief bill at all. I originally highlighted the potential for resistance from Joe Manchin and other more moderate Democratic senators who may not support that increase. And, of course, Republican Senator Joni Ernst pushed back against it during the voterama when she proposed an amendment against raising the minimum wage to $15 per hour during the pandemic. Now, that didn't necessarily achieve what she wanted. Bernie's plan was to gradually bring the minimum wage to $15 an hour over a period of five years. So that amendment doesn't necessarily make it impossible for the Senate to pass something like that without contradicting the amendment proposed by Senator Ernst, which did pass by a voice vote. But late last night, after I published my video yesterday, CBS News released an interview with President Joe Biden where he said that he wasn't sure whether that minimum wage provision would be in the final stimulus package because of the rules of the United States Senate. To be clear, he still wants to negotiate for a federal minimum wage of $15 an hour, but he's not sure they'll be able to pass that legislation right now, given the limitations of the budget reconciliation process. I've mentioned this before in previous updates. The advantage of reconciliation from the Democratic's perspective is that they only need 50 votes, plus the tie-breaking vote from Vice President Kamala Harris. But the drawback is that there are pretty strict rules about which kinds of legislation can be passed through reconciliation and which ones need to be passed through the normal channels. Those normal channels, of course, are vulnerable to a filibuster in the Senate unless you can get at least 60 votes for cloture. Reconciliation bills also need to be directly related to the budget, which is going to be tough to prove in the case of the minimum wage. Yes, changing the minimum wage will affect the budget in some ways, that's Bernie Sanders' point, but that aspect probably isn't central enough to allow them to accomplish that through reconciliation. And especially with Biden coming out and expressing doubt about this plan, it's looking less and less likely that this is going to be part of the upcoming relief bill. Biden's team also announced several new plans to streamline the vaccine rollout and increased production of gloves, rapid tests, and other necessary equipment. Lloyd Austin, the Secretary of Defense, deployed a little over 1,000 troops for the Federal Emergency Management Agency, aka FEMA, to help at some of the largest vaccination sites in the country, including one in Los Angeles and another in Oakland. They're expected to begin that operation next Monday, so just over a week from now. Along with providing troops, the Biden administration also invoked the Defense Production Act to accelerate production. They hope to make 1 billion nitrile gloves per month, plus 61 million or more total point-of-care or at-home COVID-19 tests by this summer. These efforts are particularly urgent given the new variants of COVID that have been popping up recently, including one from South Africa that was recently identified for the first time in the United States. While Biden's team has expressed optimism about the long-term prospects, they aren't satisfied with current production and distribution levels for the existing vaccines, including the single-dose Johnson & Johnson vaccine that they were hoping would increase supply. Andy Slavitt, a senior advisor on the COVID-19 response team, said... As is the case with other vaccines, we have not found that the level of manufacturing allows us to have as much vaccine as we think we need coming out of the gate. 
every option is on the table to figure out how to accelerate manufacturing in the event that the FDA does approve the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. Nearly 60 million vaccines have been distributed to states already, but just 35 million have been reported as administered. So we're making progress. 35 million is at least over 10% of the American population, but it could be a while before we have mass vaccinations to the point that they start to significantly reduce transmission of COVID-19. Some people have also reported complications with getting the second dose after they've already received the first dose, particularly in states like Washington and Connecticut that don't necessarily schedule both appointments at the same time. Now, there's a little room for error here. You don't necessarily need to get the second dose on a particular day. It's not like you'll have to restart the sequence if you miss your appointment. The CDC does recommend a maximum of six weeks between the first dose and the second dose, although the ideal time frame is still 21 days for the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine and 28 days for the Moderna vaccine. So hopefully by the summer, we'll at least be able to vaccinate the most vulnerable groups. But for now, there are some inefficiencies in everything from production to distribution and scheduling that are making it difficult to stay on schedule. All right, folks, that is my update for today. The House will be moving at full speed on COVID relief starting on Monday. So make sure to stay tuned for more daily updates, and I will see you in the next video. Bye-bye.